0: Welcome to Fire of Genius, a podcast dedicated to all things intellectual property, presented by the Indiana University Mauer School of Law's IP Theory Journal. My name is Andy Eddington, and I am a 2L here at Mauer.
1: My name is Jenna Sir, and I am a 2L at Mauer. My name is Arati
2: Kumar, and I'm a 2L at Mauer.
0: So, the shapes of some of America's most iconic candies are, well, they're so recognizable that they've been trademarked. From the Hershey's Kiss to the Tootsie Roll... The unique forms of these sweet treats are part of their brand identities. But not every piece of candy gets this. So what does it take to trademark a candy's shape? In this episode, we'll look at some famous examples and examine the legal aspects of trademarking candy shapes here in the United States.
2: So it might be helpful to kind of discuss what we need to trademark a candy shape before we talk about any huge legal disputes surrounding it. So um, product shapes can't be copyrighted because when you think about it, copyright really only covers creative works and not sure if a candy shape can exactly be qualified that way. So registering a trademark is really the only way candy makers can protect the exclusive use of their shape. Companies tend to file trademarks once their product is established and recognizable, and that can last as long as the trademark is used and renewed. So the key requirements for a candy shape's design or shape to receive trademark protection in the U.S. is distinctiveness. So the shape can't be generic or commonplace, and that basically means it has to be unique enough to identify the brand through that product. It also can't be functional, meaning the shape of the candy shouldn't be essential to the function. It should be actively used in the marketplace in commerce. It shouldn't have any secondary meaning, meaning any generic product shouldn't um, signal in the public's mind that it's that product versus the actual brand. There shouldn't be confusion. So the shape can't be so similar to another protected trademark that it would confuse consumers. And then... When possible, it should be registered through federal registration. Um, so with all of those in mind, um, there are some pretty common issues that pop up when it comes to trademarking candy shapes. So distinctiveness is pretty important, meaning like the candy shapes have to be distinctive enough to qualify. So when you think about like the Hershey's Kiss, that like conical shape of, of the chocolate is a signature product. Um, and that's been trademarked. Secondary meaning is another one, so the shapes shouldn't gain a secondary meaning that links it to a specific brand that's not the original product, and this can be pretty challenging to prove, and and it's typically one of those um, issues that leads to a lot of trademark dispute. Another one is functionality, so a shape can't be utilitarian or functional, so they can't be they can't, like, provide any functional use to the actual product itself. And, like, a good example of that is the candy cane shape. So the basic candy cane shape is, is designed to, like, hook it onto a tree. So that's kind of functional, and so it can't be trademarked. Another big issue is the scope of a trademark. Like, trademarks on candy shapes tend to be narrow in scope, and so the broader they get, the easier it is to challenge that. And even if a trademark on a shape is granted, the other problem is that it can later be canceled if the shape becomes generic. So when you think about like the typical Easter egg oval shape, that was actually initially trademarked by Cadbury, but now that's like generic for Easter candy. And then an overarching issue is national versus regional rights, because candy brands may hold trademarks in some countries, but not others. And some regional trademarks might be more vulnerable to cancellation than others. So since they have an international scope and distribution, that might tend to be an overarching issue. But yeah, that's basically a quick intro into what challenges candy brands may face.
0: So yeah, let's take a look at some examples of candy that did not get their trademark. So the first example I have is... The Ritter Sport. So this is a chocolate bar. Um, I will admit I've heard of this before, but I don't think I've ever actually seen one in stores here in America. They are sold here, but I just don't think I've ever seen one. Have, have you guys ever seen one before?
2: I think I've seen them in like, like international store, like uh, stores that like okay. sell more of like, a yeah.
0: So they definitely are big over in Europe and what i think is interesting is they have an eu trademark but they don't have one here in the states so for the people who don't know Ritter Sport is a square chocolate bar and that's really that that's their thing literally their slogan is square practical good yeah i i don't know so like i said they have an eu trademark so to talk a little bit more about the EU trademark so we can kind of understand why it's a little bit different from over here. So in the European Union, the shape of a product is only excluded from trademark protection if that shape gives the product significant value. Part of the logical thought process is chocolate is, it's easier to make, ship, hold, eat, pretty much everything in a rectangle. That's like how it always comes. Well, Reese is excluded, I guess. (laughs) And in case you didn't know, a square is a rectangle. (laughs) But the EU court found that this square shape didn't add any significant value. So, you know, it doesn't really matter to them. They relied on price differences, or really the lack of, in production, shipping, etc., and found evidence that the shape didn't really matter. So it's okay over there. But if you come back over here to the States, where they failed... Rittersport applied for a U.S. trademark back in 1993 and then eventually a couple years later just abandoned it after it was initially rejected. So the problem was the United States Patent and Trademark Office said that this rectangular shape with protruding square sides was functional and not distinctive enough to merit trademark protection under U.S. law. So now that being said, they still do hold trademarks for their name, logo, and branding, all that kind of stuff. But they just don't have a trademark over their square shape. But here's the thing. Logically, to me, it's just a square bar. A square isn't really distinctive. I mean, in lots of chocolate, as mentioned, comes in rectangles or even other squares. So, yeah. And I guess also this side of this is just a business aspect. They may have just decided that pursuing this further would just be more expensive than the potential benefits of having this trademark after their initial rejection in the nineties. So, and next we have maybe a little bit more famous um, candy bar here, the Kit Kat. So there's a lot of dispute over Kit Kats, um, not only here, but also over in Europe too. So spoiler alert, they don't have one in any anywhere, really. So in the United States, Nestle, the uh, KitKat owner, reportedly has never even attempted to acquire a trademark for the KitKat shape in the United States. Now, I think this is so weird because I feel like the KitKat bar is very distinctive. So I don't know. Why are they not doing this? Can we think of any reason why they just haven't even bothered
2: I mean it could be because it's a functional shape because the way that like the product itself is manufactured it has to it like makes it easier if it's in a rectangle and it's like um yeah maybe it's like functional the way that the product is like shaped
0: that's what I thought too and uh, before we did research for this I would have never even thought about functionality mm-hmm. as applying so I was kind of like you know what in the world's going on it's mm-hmm. so distinctive but Honestly, that does make a lot of sense.
2: And I mean, when you think about, like, the breaking the Kit Kat and eating it, like, the shape has a lot to do with that function of it. So yeah. Maybe that's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe so. But uh, either way, I guess they just decided it's not worth it. So over in the European Union, they've had a really bad time with their trademark. They lost it. They actually had one. For a while in the 2000s and lost it fairly recently because there is a competitor from Cadbury, the Cadbury Twin Bar, which has a very similar shape. And there's another uh, brand, which I'm going to be honest, I can't pronounce it, but it looks like a Kit Kat copycat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's it's, what it, it's not literally, I'm not going to say that because you know, hey, don't sue me, but mm-hmm. it's what it looks like. And there's a big reason as for why they just didn't get the trademark over there so now competitors are free to use this similar rectangular four finger shape over in the eu market although i do believe there is a uh, pending further appeal so i don't know we'll see that being said though they do have one in the united kingdom i don't know why it's it's so weird but it's got to be so frustrating for these companies
1: Yeah, well, good thing is this is not the end of the story, and some success stories exist among the major candy companies in the battle of the trademarks. And one of the cases where candy companies successfully obtained a trademark involves Toblerone. So they have registered Trademark for their iconic, non-rectangular shape of its chocolate bar in the competitive U.S. market. Have anyone had uh, Toblerone before?
0: Yes, they're so good.
1: Oh, they're one of my favorites. So how they obtained the trademark is that the parent company of Toblerone, which is Mondelez International, they registered a U.S. trademark for the three-dimensional configuration of a three-sided triangular bar made up of multiple stacked triangles in 2017. And this trademark covers the overall wedge-like shape and pyramidal peaks, I can't pronounce that word, (laughs) that made Toblerone bars recognizable. And they held this trademark in other countries since the 1960s, but they only registered it more recently in the U.S. as the brand expanded. So this trademark helps prevent the competitors from selling confusingly similar triangular chocolate bars in the U.S. market. And unlike Ritter Sport, Toblerone was able to convince the US PTO that its irregular prism shape was non-functional and distinctive enough to wear its trademark protection. And there's another success story of a candy company obtaining their trademarks involving Hershey's. So the Milton S. Hershey, he first founded the Hershey Chocolate Company in 1894. And by doing that, he obtained some of the earliest trademarks for Hershey's, branded cocoa and baking chocolate in the early 1900s. And they began producing packaging milk chocolate bars in the 1900s, and they ended up launching the Hershey's Milk Chocolate Bar in the 1900s. And this was the Hershey's first nationally marked candy bar. As early enough in the 1906, the Hershey registered one of the earliest trademarks for the name Hershey's for chocolate and cocoa. And um, Milton also trademarked the name Hershey's Milk Chocolate in 1911. Milton Hershey was very strategic in doing doing this, by doing this as early on in the company as they launched the new candies, like Hershey's Kisses in 1906 and Hershey's Syrup in 1926. So they filed for the Federal Trademark Registration through the United States Patent and Trademark Office, um, and this process also involved submitting under application specimens showing the use of the market comers and the fees. So the trademark for the Hershey, they cover the word marks, stylized names, packaging designs, and product shapes. So I would say this trademark for Hershey is comprehensive enough to cover their brand names and their iconic candy shapes, which includes the Hershey's Kisses. And as the company expanded, they kept renewing their trademarks periodically, and they demonstrated their continued use and marketing, and they could successfully maintain their longstanding rights over the candy brand names and designs, as opposed to the Riller Sport and the Kit Kat. This led me to think: what were the factors that led to both Toblerone and Hershey successfully secure their strong international trademark protection? for their i would say like one of the kind chocolate bar form and it was interesting that they shared some similarities that helped both companies successfully obtain and defend a trademark for the unique shape of the chocolate bars and there are some key factors and one of them is the early registration as i mentioned earlier Hershey started trademarking their shapes like Hershey's kisses as early as 1927 and Toblerone also registered the prism shaped trademark in the 1960s in this home country of, of switzerland and by doing so they established the legal protection very early on what i also think helped them to register um, trademark is the inherently distinctive shapes i think this sets these two companies apart from the ruler sport because, as you may all know, like the iconic kiss shape from the Hershey's chocolate is unique enough, especially back in the days when it was introduced to qualify for the protection. And similarly, the irregular triangular prism shaped it really stood out from any other candy bar when it was first created in 1908. And it, of course, gave it the inherent distinctiveness. And going back to the legal point that Artie mentioned earlier, so these both designs were non-functional. So the USPTO ruled that the arbitrary shape of Hershey's chocolate, they serve no utilitarian purpose compared to the common shapes like rect- rectangles, well, for like real sport. And also for Toblerone's candy shape, it was also non-utilitarian because it was clearly just serving as an indicator of brand identity rather than giving a functional purpose. Because me personally cannot even think of like how this Rounds candy shape could be functional. So to me, it makes a lot of sense. And there were a lot of efforts from the company's end as well, because they were very aggressively defensing their rights and willing to litigate. Well, for example, Percy's, they employ a legal team to actively monitor and aggressively protect their trademark portfolio. And they use cease and desist orders and they litigate if needed. And same goes for Toblerone. And when their triangular or uh, pyramid-shaped chocolates emerged, they took legal action to protect its shape trademark rights. Some other efforts include like marketing emphasis, which includes like advertising and packaging that focuses on the unique shapes of Hershey's brand and the Toblerone's iconic shape and the fact that they kept renewing the trademarks and expanding the registration process internationally also led to the successful defending of the trademark rights. So both Hershey's and Toblerone secured broad rights through early, wise registrations and refusing to back down on enforcement over almost a century. So their preservance cemented their shaped trademarks despite a lot of challenges.
2: That's so interesting. Something I, like, remember about Toblerone specifically is that they actually had patents early on before they even looked to trademark registration. So I wonder if they established market power using the patents and like had that economic power. And then they kind of figured, okay, like now that we have sort of set this industry standard for ourselves, now we can look to trademark. Mm -hmm.
0: So the unique shapes of America's classic candies have really become ingrained in our collective consciousness. So for these major candy makers, trademarking these iconic forms provides legal protection from competitors trying to copy them. So some of these brands we highlighted today have stood the test of time, thanks in part to those unmistakable shapes that just, well, scream their names. And uh, other brands, well, maybe try not being so square. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fire of Genius. You can follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at C-I-P-R Mauer, or reach out to us on our website at iptheory.indiana.edu. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in again next week.